It's getting late. I have guests. Do you intend to cooperate with us? I'd like a simple yes or no. A simple no? For the simple reason I simply don't know what you're talking about. Give Mr. Kaplan a drink, Leonard. A pleasant journey, sir. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 200 and... Oh, damn, I totally forgot what show we're on. 200 and what is it? 230... 234. We are on episode 234. So, and, uh, so thanks for joining us again for another great and fantastic film. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movies of all time. And it's called North by Northwest. This great and fantastic film stars Cary Grant, the absolutely gorgeous Eva Marie Saint, and the irrepressible James Mason. And uh, we're going to be talking about this one. So uh, joining me is my very good and dear friend. And I'm actually kind of remiss on this one, but uh, I'll make it up as I go. My very good and dear friend. Uh, Ken Rushmore Roney. Well, I'm going to start this podcast like uh, Cary Grant started his drive by pouring a whole bunch of bourbon down my throat. <laughs> nice. And also joining us is our other very good and dear friend, uh, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. Well, b- before you ask, Steve, no, no, I've not been drinking. No, no, these two men, they poured a bottle of bourbon into me. And no, they didn't give me a chaser. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go um our other good and dear friend um uh, jeff uh mr muncie is i still believe en route from uh visiting harry potterville down in florida so unfortunately he's not going to be here with us uh tonight because uh, well, his text indicated a gps failure that took them off the designated route yeah i'm i'm guessing he just he screwed that one up GPS is always right. It's satellite imaging. I mean, if our fighter pilots and bombers can can use it, it's he has no excuse. No, if you're coming up from Florida, there's only two possible interstates you can take. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can't go wrong. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, there you go, guys. We're going to be talking about North by Northwest. And like I said, this is a uh, what a, it's probably my favorite Hitchcock movie. Uh, about the only other one that I could say that probably would come as a good second place to this one would be uh, uh, Rear Window uh, with uh, Jimmy Stewart. But uh, in this one, this has always been a favorite of mine. I've seen this, and I own it. It's it's a classic. I'm a huge Cary Grant fan, uh, just full disclosure right there. So, I mean, right off the bat, I'm, I'm you know, got a little bit of a man crush with that guy. Uh, he, he was just, there was something about him. But um, just so you know, for those of you who are not aware of this movie, because it is an old one, this is definitely going back into the uh, the Wayback Machine for the Man Cave Movie Review. This was done back in 1959. So it's it's an older movie. Uh, and if you don't know the synopsis of it, and I'm just going to give you the 
IMDB rundown is a, um, a New York advertising executive is mistaken for a government agent by a group of foreign spies and is pursued across the country while he looks for a way to survive. And that's, uh, I mean, it's probably about one of the better summaries you can give of this movie. This is, this is a favorite of mine. It, it's great. It is that classic wrong place at the wrong time and you just can't get out of it but um before i go on too much i know ken you had said uh, a little bit offline you had not seen this movie like forever so it's been a long time i was probably in my 20s when i saw this oh good lord okay yeah i mean what i mean just like initial thoughts i mean about 50 years yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah I mean, initial thoughts. What do you? I mean, what do you think of it in terms of movies from this era? Uh, it's obviously it was a very successful movie. Some iconic scenes are in this movie. Uh, probably the biggest. The, the two iconic scenes are the crop duster chase in the middle of nowhere scene yep. and the chase across Mount Rushmore scene. Uh, but it's got a lot of other good. Good, good setups, good scenes, and everything. It's well written, smart. Uh, you got some very good actors from that day. Cary Grant is just extremely smooth and suave, but he 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 plays it both funny. I mean, he he could be funny when he needs to be, but he has some serious stuff in there too. Uh, even Murray Saint was. Uh, I didn't, you know, I've, I've seen her over the years, but man, she's smoking in this movie it's just oh. very steamy uh she just pours it on and uh a lot of a uh, double and triple entendre that you know sneaking in and out for being back in the 50s hitchcock put a lot into this uh, james mason obviously was very good very good actor and he was malevolent but uh martin landau as sort of his henchman was probably to me even greasier and more threatening and such like anything with uh hitchcock good cinematography uh, a thing which i'll throw out with somebody i'm sure you other guys found this out but uh some people say that this is the first bond movie because it has a whole lot of elements that just a few years later started showing up in the bond stories uh, and I can discuss that later if nobody else does. But that's my opening. Well, let's go back to that, Ken, because that's kind of intriguing. I have not ever heard of that before. But when you said that, it's like, yeah, you know what? You've got a you've got a good point. And let's let's go back and, and touch on that because I think there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of things to be said. Brian, what are your well, thoughts? Because I don't think you've seen this before, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd seen it and I saw it. I think a couple of weeks ago we were kind of going to do it then that I, and I, 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 I hate to say it. You know, I, I've forgotten a bit. I didn't take any notes. I did it the other night, which I usually do. Um, but, uh, but I'd not seen it before. Now I, obviously I, I'm an admirer of Grant. I actually, frankly, I probably like Grant in some of the, uh, screwball, not is it screwball comedies he did like bringing up baby and stuff like that, which I think I, you got to give a Grant credit. He could do, most anything. I mean, he, he was, he was actually probably better in something where he was a lighter touch, if you will, uh, which he was kind of to a degree in this movie. Uh, kid, you mentioned the double entendres. Man, when they were in that, 
when they were in that train car, that sleeping car, I'm I'm sitting there thinking like I cannot believe she is saying some of the stuff she's saying right now. I mean, and uh, it was almost not a double entendre. And then at the very end, she goes, "Well, you're sleeping on the couch," but I'm sitting there going, "Man, if that's that's she's a man eater, you know." <laughs> but uh, there's that, and then obviously Ken mentioned the the Bondian things. Uh, and I don't. I mean, you can you can do it, but I mean, obviously you got exotic locations. You got the you know getting chased by a crop duster. <laughs> You know, which is like something out of Bond, which, by the way, I believe was on, uh, is that US-4 or US-41, which is a real two-lane road that goes north-south, uh, kind of a, not too far from the Illinois-Indiana state line. Well, it's, it's, it's 431, I believe. 431? That's what it's supposed to be, but it was really filmed in, like, California. Yeah, but the, the, the whatever street road they called it, I thought it was a two- Two numbered instead of three, but well, whatever I, it was, it, it's it could real. have been forty-two. But I think I thought it was four thirty-one. But they did well, have Indiana, old Indiana highway signs that yeah, they made but, stuck but there. That's a real highway, you know. Yeah, and that's for real. So that which yeah. I thought was interesting. Um, uh, but it's very, very nice, very sophisticated. You know, James Mason is James Mason, and I'll make my funny comment about him a little later. But uh, um, I like James Mason. Uh, I've always enjoyed him in anything he does. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the old uh, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which I grew up watching as a kid, you know. And I could watch that over and over. That, that's actually one of the – Steve and I had this Disney thing. That was actually one of the main reasons many years ago I wanted to go to Disney because I wanted to walk through the Nautilus, which you used to be able to do. Uh, but uh, but great movie. Hitchcock's great. Uh you know, has he done a bad movie? I mean, I'm trying to think of what anything Hitchcock did that really was falls flat, and I just don't know that that's the case. I mean, well, you know. there, I'm sure there's some movies that just aren't somebody's cup of tea, but he's pretty much as regarded as putting out a lot of quality films. Mm-hmm. I would say probably Marnie was my least favorite, and I barely remember it. It's um, oh god. Sean Connery's in it. I can't remember the other chick's name. Mm. It, it's just kind of one of those. I just, I, it just was. I remember seeing it and just ah, lost interest. Um, but you know, one thing I do want to touch about, you know, in this is, you know, we, you know, we laugh now um, when you talk about like the double entendres and uh, you know, and the pushing of the envelope. But you know, you know, we're all old enough, I think, to. Even me being the, the young one here at 51 can still remember where, <laughs> you know, constant reminder. <laughs> yeah. Constant reminder. Just, just throwing it out there, but no, but, broad. When, but, but in all seriousness, I mean, you know, there, there were times that, I mean, you didn't see, you know, the, the sex or the language or anything like that. So, I mean, for 1959, where the censors were very, very strict back then, um, you know, there was a lot of pushing of the envelope in this, in this movie, just in terms of not the actual acts that are going on, but just the, the talking. And there's, there's another movie that I could mention without going off on a tangent, but just on the same, um, theme and just in terms of movies that push the envelope of the censors at that time. And the other one is the big, uh, the big sleep. Um, that movie, 
I I have absolutely no idea how the hell they got away with some of the shit they did back. And this and that was made in I think in forty five or forty six. Yeah, they've been around World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it 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 was just some of the stuff that they were able to that. And I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was too highbrow for the censors. Maybe they didn't pick up on it or something like that. But you know the you know there the scene. And I do kind of want to talk about the scene a little bit. When he's in the train car with her, and you know, I don't want this to go the wrong way, but I know there was always some rumors about Cary Grant, and it seemed to yeah, me that you could say that, yeah, there were rumors about it. it. Seemed to me that when he was when they were doing their, if you want to call it a love scene, they're basically standing in a train car, fully clothed. He's in a suit, she's in a dress, and they're kind of kissing. He just looks almost awkward like he doesn't know what to do with his hands or something or maybe he can't maybe because that's the sensor thing or whatever but it just I, I have to admit that that is the one part of this movie that it just looks like he cannot wait for the scene to be over you know now here's me it's like if i'm standing there having to have to kiss even marie saying i'd be i'd have been like i'd have been like kramer and seinfeld i'm out you know, slap the table. Here's my five bucks. I, I'm out. Um, but it just, you know, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, we look, I, I'm, I, I think we look at these movies with a different perspective just because, you know, we're, you know, a little bit older than maybe some of our listeners. So, you know, to look at that, it's like, well, that's nothing, but it's like, we got to remember at the time it was made, this, this was getting, this was getting pretty risque. So I don't know. I, that was just my thoughts. Um, well, I, you can you can make the case that uh, even if I was as suave as Cary Grant, if I suddenly just found myself in that situation, I might be a little discombobulated too. This is true. So, good so, point. You know, I mean, Cary Grant. I mean, if I remember correctly, he was married five times. Had I mean, had children. I'm not going to go deep into old Hollywood rumors. Cary Grant is just a one of those dashing leading men uh i mean his contemporary is probably rock hudson uh when you yeah. think about it in a lot of yes. ways yeah. they they, they actually i think they were like going head to head i think rock had a few less years on him because when when uh Cary grant made this movie he was 55 he's yeah, not a young right. dude you know good looking 55 but mm -hmm. 55 yeah and ken that's actually a good point i wanted to bring up a little bit too is that you know it really wasn't until I watched the movie. I don't know. For some reason, when I would see him in movies, he just always seemed kind of ageless. And I think it's because I saw a lot of the movies or, or the movies that he was in. I saw them that were in the, like the late fifties and the sixties, uh, because he did a lot of stuff with, you know, he did stuff with Cary Grant or Cary Grant. He did a lot of stuff with Hitchcock. And it wasn't until, um, my mom was down. Oh gosh, maybe about two, three weeks ago. And my mom loves all the old black and white movies and stuff like that. And she said, did you ever see this movie called Suspicion? I said, no. She, oh, you'll love it. It's Cary Grant. And um, it's Cary Grant and um, Joan Fontaine is in it. And he actually plays kind of a bad guy. And it was different. This, so we started watching it. And I'm watching this movie. I'm like, Jesus, God, he is young in this movie. And I looked it up and it was like, you know, it was made in 1941. I was just curious because honestly, I didn't know. I never really looked that much into his background when he was born. The guy was born in 1904. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, this dude is old. So yeah, I mean, when he's over there with Eve Marie Saint, Eve Marie Saint was like, what, 20? She was not too far from that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was, or, or maybe she was, she may have been a little bit older. I have to, I'll have to look and see. So she was born in, um, well, she was born in 24, so 59 and 24. Oh, no, shit. She was probably, oh, so she would have 34. been 34. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was a good looking 34. Good God almighty. She looked like she was about like 22. Um, but in any event, um, you know, it just, it threw me off because I didn't, I, I think that was probably one of the first movies I saw Cary Grant in where he was like really, really young. Um, and even 41. I mean, so he was like, still like in his late thirties. So. Um, I didn't realize the guy was that old, or that he was born when he was, because obviously he's you know passed yeah, he's on. Just guy that held together well. Uh, uh, no, I just a favorite, longtime uh, Cary Grant movie of mine, which I mean I saw it when I was a kid and I just liked it. Uh, was Charade? Yes, uh, opposite Audrey Hepburn. Yep, yep, that's a good movie. It's another sort of a spy, double agent, who done it sort of thing, sort of like this. In its own way, but you know, Audrey Hepburn's the whole different thing. Well, and he did uh, uh, with her. He obviously did the Philadelphia Story with Jimmy Stewart. I yep. think Stewart got the Oscar for that. I think that's a great movie, by the way. Again, I I love I love bringing up Baby. He did that with Audrey Hepburn, or no, no, Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Both of those, not Audrey. They want to get those two mixed up. So both of those were with Catherine, Catherine Hepburn, not Audrey. Well, I just want to, you know, again, I, I kind of want to touch on this plot a little bit more so people, you know, kind of what we're talking about. But basically, this is one of those situations where he just gets mistaken uh, to be, you know, to be a spy uh, by these other foreign spies. And 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 I think this is going to really kind of tie into uh, what Ken was talking about, like being like one of the first Bond movies or maybe like a, an idea of how the Bond movie should be. And it's just, you know, it's just like this poor guy. He just, it's like this mistaken identity. It's like he gets mistaken for this guy called George Kaplan. And there is no George Kaplan. It's like this fictitious person that the CIA, was it even the CIA in 59 or was it so OSS? They, they don't say it's the CIA, but it's the CIA. But it's the CIA. It's the CIA. Just like they don't say that James Mason is a Russian agent, but he's, he's, he's the, he's a KGB guy. Right, right. So, and it's just like this whole thing where he's, you know, he's, you know, at this point, he's, you know, been almost, you know, killed by uh, being, you know, he'd been forced to drink a whole bottle of bourbon, uh, almost killed that way. He's been chased across the country. They've, you know, tried, you know, he's been framed for murder, all these things. And all this poor guy is trying to do is just clear his name and survive. And, um, and the whole time, you know, you got Eve Marie Saint. Although, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. It, it, I mean, folks, you gotta go out and see this movie. If you have never seen it, it's, it's, it's great. But I, I mean, I could see what you're talking about with it being, you know, the Bond movies. And, and the first thing that I thought of when you said that, Ken, was the Bond movies had this thing about traveling like all over the world where they're not necessarily traveling across the world, but he's going from, where where did they even start? Was it? Well, they started in New York, yeah, like so, a fancy restaurant in New yeah. York. Went to Grand Central Station. He got on the 20th Century Limited. Got to Chicago. 
you know, in Chicago. Then yeah. they, you know, has to take the bus out into the country, and then they wind up on another train going to to uh, Mount Rushmore, and mm-hmm. then they had to hike through the bushes and out back we're on Mount Rushmore. So it is. It's it's got that element. It's right. not just staying in one place. They're traveling. Right. And he's got, and it's again, suave leading man, femme fatale, who in the end can't resist his charms. <laughs> yep. Uh, the bad guy who, every time he gets him and he wants to bump him off, he doesn't just say, okay, henchman, knife the guy or shoot the guy. It's always, well, we will lure him into the country and we will, <laughs> we'll attack him with a crop duster. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you, you, honestly, if you watch the crop duster thing, you think like, you know, that's not exactly a guaranteed way to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that it's, very, it's very Bondian mm-hmm. in that it sets up the, you know, the life-threatening scene. It's very dramatic, but he can get out of it. It's just like you know, how, how many times did James Bond get you know like, like strapped to the laser beam device or whatever, and he always escapes. So it is, and from what I understand, I mean, uh, uh, when, when uh, Cubby Broccoli started doing the Bond movies, uh, he 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 went and he got a bunch of uh, complaints from Hitchcock, basically, well, hey, dude, you're ripping off my movie, but they didn't care because they had something to sold. All right, Ken, and you probably know this from, have you seen other Hitchcock movies? I've seen quite a few over the years. Okay, is this the only one that he did not do a cameo in? He did a cameo. Did he really? So he, he was in the movie. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, they have that, it opens up and there's those, that street scene of New York with pedestrians hustling and bustling and people getting out of cabs and everything. That's right. And he goes up to get on the bus. And the bus drives away. That's right. I he's in it. He's in. It. He's yep. got his cameo. Yeah. Because except it's, it was early. I mean, I think usually it's a little later in the movie. But yeah, yeah this I mean, was, it was right in the first like thirty seconds. Yeah, maybe if you blink your eyes, you'd miss it. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. I think I blink my eyes every freaking time, or I'm not really paying attention in the beginning. But yeah, you're right. Because I kept thinking, I'm like, I I've seen a lot of the Hitchcock movies, and he's in all of them. You know, just a brief second, you just see him. Um, but I'm like, God, where was he in this? And you know, okay, that 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 tips it off there. So yeah, and I will. I do do want to just throw in that, uh, you know, it's not just that this is a good Hitchcock movie or a good Cary Grant movie, or we think it's good. Uh, this movie is on a number of lists by you know authoritative sources as one of the you know best films of all time. So yep, don't it's on the AFI list. For it. American Film Institute, I think it's called. Yeah, I'm not sure as what. Usually they break it down into categories, and they just and they also just have an all time great list as well. I'm not sure which one it's on. If it's just on the all time list or of a certain genre. Well, you know, I think as far as I'm concerned, just you know the way it was filmed, the way it was shot. Um, I mean the dialogue. I mean, I mean you you've got. I mean, like right off the bat, I mean, you've got Cary Grant, you've got James Mason right there. I mean, they're just, you know, you've got two giants of cinema right off the bat in the movie. You know, you got Eve Marie Saint, who was, again, no slouch, you know, an absolutely beautiful, beautiful woman. 
Um, you know, and Martin Landau, who always kind of had that, you know, menacing demeanor about him. And he really pulls it off in this. So, you know, you've, you've got a lot of elements that are going on in here and you've got a fantastic story. And, and honestly, I kind of want to bring this up too, because there is a, um, there is a movie that we did. I'm going to have to pull up the Beecham files because good Lord, it's been forever. Um, but there's a movie that we did. Uh, this is, uh, this is pre Brian. So Brian, you weren't, I don't think you were on the show for this one, mm-hmm. but, um, it was, it Those was, were the good old days, weren't they? They were, you know, the, <laughs> no, we love you, Brian. Um, no, I'm going to pull up the Beecham files because there was a movie that we did, uh, some time ago that is kind of like this. And it actually references this movie in it. And if you remember, it was called Lucky Number Slevin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is. Lucky Number Slevin is kind of like this. It's the mistaken identity, innocent yep. victim trying to get out of this big conspiracy. Right. Yeah. And That's a good movie. Well, Lucky Number Slevin's worth catching. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, it's like, it's like this, except in Lucky Number Slevin, he purposely meant to be misconstrued but anyway oh i probably just fucking gave that away but if you guys if you guys want to see it that is episode 36 um uh we did that (laughs) guys this is scary we did that on november 4th 2012 wow heavens yeah Yeah. that's how that's six years ago yep that's how long we've been we we're still going that's amazing yeah I'm, I'm so old. Yeah. Well, another four years and I'll be vested for my Man Cave movie review pension. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hear that, folks? Better hit that PayPal uh, ticket on the... Uh, I got obligations here. <laughs> Ken has to buy a new pair of shoes. <laughs> so, anyway, but yeah, I, like I said, this is just... I think it's, it's a classic movie. You know, the, the, the acting by everybody in this movie is absolutely spot on. And, and and I think just the story, like I said, the story itself is just great, you know, and, and Cary Grant, you know, like I said, I can't get enough of the guy. I mean, he, I mean, he plays it to the hilt. He's got that, um, he's just got that, like, Almost, I don't want to say it's deadpan. It is kind of a deadpan way of making light of every bad situation. You know, it's like when he's, um, you know, when he basically is being kidnapped by these two guys that have a gun on him and they throw him in a car and they're driving off. And he's just kind of sitting there and he goes, you know, and, and they show the scene where they're just sitting there and nobody's talking. And he goes, oh, no, don't tell me where we're going. Surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you know, and he just has this look on his face of like, I mean, he never looks like in, in a, well, I guess I, I he does. He's never look, flustered. There's a few times where he looks flustered, but, you know, I, you know, I think after he finally realizes that, um, you know, like, yeah, these guys actually are going to kill me. It's like, you know, in the beginning, it's like, you got the wrong guy. Can't we reason? And it's like, okay, obviously they don't believe me, but, uh, you know, the one, the one part I want to look at, and obviously I did have clips working and I didn't get clips because I figured the thing was still broke. But one thing that I did want to point out is 
the scene when he gets picked up by the police for, you know, quote unquote drunk driving. I almost have to wonder, was he really shit faced? No, I think he's just a good actor. Oh man, he pulled off a really good <laughs> It's like when he when he's sitting there in the doctor <laughs> I love the scene where he's sitting at the desk and the doctor's like, All right, I'm gonna ask you some questions and you know, have you been drinking? And he goes, Doctor, I'm gassed and he's talking to him, stuff like that. And then he's just like you know, whatever, do whatever you want to do. And he like crawls on top of the table that like falls asleep. Cause he's, I'm like, this is what drunk people do. You know? <laughs> well, and I'll, I will say the, the driving drunk scene, although it was, you know, it was typical back screen projection. That's obviously. right. Not that I've driven drunk, <laughs> but I imagine that's what it looks like or feels like when you're driving drunk. Yeah, it's it's where you close one eye, thinking you, now, okay, the middle lane is gone. <laughs> now well, I it, can it see. It narrows the field from four things you're seeing to two. So <laughs> makes That's, it easier. Yeah, because he kept doing that all the time. It's like you know, when you say it's like you know he would walk and you see every time he's driving, he's got one eye closed and he's like, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, the nice part too is, I mean, there there are certainly. I mean, obviously, that was a. I mean, it wasn't. It was a. It was a frightening scene, but the scene at the jailhouse was very much a comedic scene. And his whole mom, his whole thing with his mom. I yeah. mean, it was like freaking uh, Abbott and Costello. I mean, you know, yeah. they're just back and forth and back and forth, and that was always good. But there was a lot of comedy, a lot of comedy in this movie, even oh. though it was a very serious situation. Yeah, a ton of comedy, and it's and it's not like slapstick comedy. It's it's very subtle. Very situational, smart comedy. Yeah, very mm-hmm. smart, and it's and it's great. It it gives you, you know, and it doesn't and it doesn't take you out of the suspense of the movie. You know, it's not like they even use, you know, uh, true where, where they kind of throw the background like quirky, funny music in the background to kind of lighten it. It's not they don't even have any. It's just, you know, it's very situational kind of stuff, and. And again, it's just, it's just a, it's a superbly well done movie in terms of the writing, uh, the directing. Who the hell is the director of this movie? Oh, it was a Hitchcock. Okay. How about that? But yeah, it's just, it's just a, well, I thought he wrote it. So I, and I don't have my glasses on, so I can't really see for shit right now. So, but you know, let's talk about some of the actors. I know we, I mean, we spent a lot of time on, you know, Cary Grant because obviously the guy is, you know, he is a mensch. Uh, you know, definitely probably one of the, you know, the, the best. And actually, you know, one thing I do want to ask about is that, you know, I mean, Cary Grant was an Englishman or is an Englishman. He was an born Englishman. in England, but yeah. he came to America pretty young. Did he? Because he had such an interesting accent. It wasn't, I mean, it's like if, if you heard him talk, you're like, you ain't from around these parts. And I don't care what part of America you'd be in. He wouldn't fit in there with that accent. It's an example of a thing. I think they usually refer to it as a mid-Atlantic accent. Okay. It was very, it was, yeah, very big in like the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and it was a, you know, it's not a real accent. It was something that you sort of learned, but it was very popular in movies. Uh, Catherine Hepburn has that same accent okay you know. yeah even though she is from i believe massachusetts if I'm not mistaken. yeah but but it's something that 
actors would go to, you know, school to learn. Okay, I didn't know it. It, it was. I mean, he it actually, you know, he was known for that. I mean, it was it was a big part of his whole repartee. You know, that that accent. Right. Well, and, and like I said, if we're going to talk about accents, I mean, the other guy, too, who's, I mean, whether it's his accent or just the inflection of his voice, but it's so iconic is James Mason. You know, and it's, you know, it's kind of like, what what did you say, Brian? It's like he was taking a comfortable crap every time. Yeah, I mean, James Mason, is, you know, it's like he's taking a very comfortable dump. You know, <laughs> he's not straining too hard when he talks. But he's, got, he's always got that, James Mason, you know, that there's always that little grind in there, you know, like he's pushing something out. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's a guy that is another, um, you know, he's, he's kind of iconic uh, in terms of, uh, the, you know the movies that he's made i mean a lot of them off top i had i can't met well like i said there's this um we did um uh we, we had cross of iron we did do cross of iron and um let's see cross of iron cross of iron is episode 58 we did that on april 15th of 2013 hmm. sam peckinpah movie so he, uh, he played the german colonel yes he did and he was in there and um but i mean he's kind of one of those that he always kind of played that, you know, sw- you know, kind of the same thing. That suave kind of guy, you know, he wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, sophisticated. I mean, they yeah. both were very sophisticated characters, you know, in different ways. Smooth, unflap, not real flappable, usually. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were the yin and yang in the movie. Clearly, even though Mason was humorless and. Grant had a lot of humor, but uh, it's, it's really interesting. Mason can be, I mean, he, he did it, well, he did it, honestly, you know, which one of my favorite movies is uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, he did that. I mean, he, he you know, a, as Nemo, he was, even though the character is actually not a bad character, but he's very malevolent in that movie. You know, he's an intimidating character. Just being, you know, I mean, he, he had that down pat if he wanted to use it. Right. And then you got Eve Marie Saint, and um, and I I will confess I've probably seen her in other stuff. I just don't remember what it is. But um, she, I mean, she had broken through. Her first role was like five years earlier in On the Waterfront. Oh, okay. Marlon, you know, opposite, opposite Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Yep, that's right. And she was also in a a movie which I actually liked. You don't ever see it because it has an Indiana connection called Rain Tree County. Uh, the year before, she was in Exodus. Uh, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Grand Prix, which speaking of which, Grand Prix would be is a uh, that's a man cave movie. If we want to go back to that period, uh, but yeah, she's in a lot of movies, and she her last role was 2014. Yeah, I was just looking that up. It's like, Chris, she was doing, you know, she was still doing stuff up until then. That's kind of impressive because. I mean, she's no spring chicken. She was born in uh, 24, so who? She's, she's 94. Yeah, wow. Yeah, kid, you mentioned Grand Prix. I adore that movie. And, I, and anybody who's a car guy or, you know, loves that movie, it's a long movie. In fact, it's one of those movies where they had a had an intermission. But I love that movie. Plus, it's got the great, the wonderful, the superb James Garner in it. And Toshiro Mifuni's in that movie, I believe. He, he's basically uh, Mr. He Honda. Is. Basically, he basically it's Honda is who he's playing. 
So, well, and unlike James Mason, Toshiro Mifumi doesn't talk like he's having a comfortable dump. It's a it's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> My kind. Ah. <laughs> uh. uh. She was in uh, a movie, what, Win Win Dixie, not that long ago? Yes, she was. Uh, so. But obviously, you know. I, I would argue, I think she, I, I actually think she may have done as good an acting in that movie as anybody. Just just her, her little byplays, the, the double entendres and how she carried it out. Oh. I thought she was incredible. It, she was, uh, yes. I mean, she, she. She was equal in her scenes to Cary Grant. I mean, it wasn't like he was carrying her. Those is, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in some of their scenes, she was actually the more power, stronger player. Well, I mean, Cary Grant was being Cary Grant. I mean, he'd been doing that for shit, what fifty years at that point. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just like a light switch. I imagine for him to turn that on and turn that off. But, but you know, I mean, he was Cary Grant at the time, and. And I understand she'd done some things. I mean, she'd she'd been against Brando. I mean, could you imagine acting against any bigger psycho than Brando? But, but nonetheless, I mean, it was Cary Grant. I mean, that's that's got to be a little intimidating. I don't care who you are, and Mason as well. Yes, and I will like to uh, mention a, another actor in this that a supporting actor. He wasn't like in it a lot, but it's a guy named. Uh, Leo G. Carroll, and uh, he was an English actor. He played in this movie. He played the professor, who was basically the CIA head yeah. or chief agent. And uh, if you're a TV fan in the <laughs> back 60s. in the back in the sixties, as I was, uh, he played the head of Uncle. That's right. So he, what was his name in that? I can't remember what they called uh, him. Uh, Did they call him Uncle, maybe? I forget. I just remember that he was the head of Uncle. Uh, both for, in The Man from Uncle and the... Uh, Waverly. Oh, Mr. Waverly. Al- yeah, Alexander Waverly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you had you know, Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin. Uh So it's like, basically, he's playing the same character in that TV show that he was playing in this movie. Yeah, he was in what was a movie about a ghost? It was a comedy, and I can't think what it was. I think he was in that. Ghost and Mrs. Think. Mirror. No, it has Topper. Maybe I thought he was yes, in Topper. Topper. Maybe I'm maybe Topper. I'm wrong, but I thought he was. I think he uh, was in Topper. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a recognizable guy. Yeah, he's one of those where you look up his uh, biographical, and it's like the dude was born on October twenty fifth of eighteen eighty six. What? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah. Holy crap. He died in 1972 at the age of 85. So, wow. Long active life. Yeah. That's, you know, that's pretty amazing stuff. I mean, you think about it, that guy saw a lot. You had obviously had Landau in the movie, another person that's really prolific, obviously an Oscar winner for yep. uh what was he an Oscar winner for? Was that was that movie about the car? Uh Jeff uh I can't think of it, but he's an Oscar winner. Late in life. I didn't Tucker, realize. I believe he was. I think he won an Oscar for Tucker, I believe. Okay. Is that it? Okay. That, that would be it, yes. But no, he was in a lot of other movies. I think, wasn't he all, He was in the uh, original Mission Impossible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, TV that's right. Series? 
he was the disguise guy, I believe. He and Barbara Bain, who was his wife in real life. Yes. Obviously, he was in the horrific Space 1999, at least to me. I love the love the ships and stuff. But I've, that's on Comet right now, and you watch it, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't watch this. Oh, man, I, Space 1999 came out. I was just a teenager, but even in that, like, I just watched the very first episode, like, like man, this is stupid. Yeah, it was bad. But it had, like, a year or two run. So. They had some great actors in that, by the way. I mean, I yeah. mean, some great actors showed up as, uh, I mean, in that in that series, but it was bad. Bad. Yeah, they're trying to, like, Star Trek had had a little bit of success, and now they're sort of competing against Star Trek. Or trying to succeed Star Trek would be yeah. more fair. Yeah, there wasn't much at the time. Yeah. But, but no, those, I, I'd say that would be a good talk about the actors and such. Well, you had Ed Benz, a little obscure thing. Ed Benz played Beatle Smith and Patton. Right. Uh, he was in this. I, I'm not sure, but I remember him. It was a brief thing, but Benz showed up in a lot of movies over the years. That's a guy, actually. That's a character actor showed up in a million different things, by the way. Benz did. I think he was in the... Uh, he was in, oh, it was the Andy Griffith uh, movie where, uh, oh, God, something about privates. No time for privates, I no believe. No time for privates. I think yeah. Ed Benz was one of the jerks that gave, hometown jerks that gave Andy Griffith a hard time, if I'm not mistaken. Don't and, remember that. I mean, I've seen it, but that was a long time ago. It's a funny, actually a funny show. Don Knotts is in that briefly, I believe, uh, that, that movie as well. So it was the first time he and Griffith were together. No, it's a, it's a good cast. I mean, I actually think Ken, the, the mom, what's her, what was her name? Um, I mean, there's a, I, I can't think of her name, but, but basically Cary Grant's mother, she was fabulous. Oh, yeah. That was a great back and forth that they had. I mean, cause it was like, oh, you know, my son's always in trouble and she didn't really respect him at all. And, no, and, Jesse Royce Landis was her name. She, she was good. I, I love the interplay between he and her. It was always great. Yeah, well, the, the 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 sort of bad thing was uh, that you know she she's eight years older than Cary Grant. She's playing that's, his mom. That's amazing. Yeah, but uh, quick. But you, I well, bought it. I didn't. Think oh no, was. she looked she looked like his mom. I mean, one of the interesting things is you remember the scene where he left her. He goes, she takes her up to the hotel room, and he realizes he's being chased. Now maybe I'm wrong. But he basically leaves his me- his mom behind with these two killers, <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, dude, all they got to do is grab your mom and call you up and say, "Hey, we got your mom here." But nope, Cary Grant runs out, and his mom kind of leaves her to her own devices, you know. Well, she's a formidable woman. She she she, she certainly was. A, a lot of good performances, really were. There really were. I mean, everybody in here was good. I mean, well, there's a guy actually. Uh, Oh gosh, I can't think of his name. Um, I think he was the, the auctioneer. He showed up in a lot of stuff back in those days. A guy named Les Tremaine. I think he did a lot of voice work, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, but yeah, in fact, that's what he's known for. He's known for his voice work. He was the auctioneer in the movie. So, you know, it's just yeah. The auction scene was both scary and funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another one of those where he's just. You know, it's that subtle comedy. He's 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 in a bad situation. He's trying to get out of it. Yes. You know, so we talked about a lot of the actors. I mean, we really hit pretty much a lot of the plot. So, um, tell you what, I would like to move on to one of our favorite parts of the show, and that would be brother, what you're drinking. 
And since there's three of us and Brian is here, we're going to start off with him because I know he's probably got something good. Brian? Well, uh, as you guys know, I was, it's, I, my life is hardly catching up with Ken. And, you know, let's make that abundantly clear. But, uh, in fact, I will not be going on the international flight, uh, to Greece here in a couple of days. But, uh, I did, we did drive out to Gettysburg and, uh, and had a great meal and a great evening at the, uh, Gary Owen Irish pub in Gettysburg. And a good part of that evening, I was enjoying Jameson's Black. And, uh, so I did go out this evening and uh, purchase not Jameson's Black because the local CVS doesn't isn't quite that sophisticated, but I am uh, partaking uh, a little Jameson's Neat tonight. Okay. Uh, in, in a red solo cup. In a red solo cup because no one can see what you're drinking out of a red solo cup. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> and by by no one, can I put a name to no one? You could. Yes. <laughs> you want <laughs> i'm on a headset so you can do whatever you want <laughs> nice i got a dirty look for that <laughs> very well done but that's it that's it it's my it's good just just uh but that's it and diet coke cool guys i this has actually been sitting uh this was actually a christmas present put that up on the screen if you could see it Urban County. Yeah. This this was bought for me about three years ago, thereabouts, by my uh, good and dear next-door neighbor friend. And it has been sitting in, well, it was sitting in a, um, a, a, a nice cabinet for a while, and then I took it out, and I've been chilling it for probably another five, six months. But it is the Goose Island Bourbon County Brand Stout. And it's a stout aged in bourbon barrels, and this thing was uh, made in 2015. And I was provided, it was given, actually, there you go. It was, I got the date here, it was actually bottled on October 9th, 2015. So this bad boy is well over three years old. Anniversary almost. Yeah. Well, I poured in here, and uh, this is going to take a while, guys. Whew. Um, I mean, it looks like I just poured a, a bottle of, uh, Pennzoil in here and it's like, whew, like Pennzoil what's after the, it's been. What's the alcohol count? Well, gentlemen, brace yourselves. I should have braced myself before I drank it. Um, it comes in at a respectable 14.3%. Oh, now that's a Godzilla. <laughs> And we haven't had one of those in a while. That is a that's a hefty stout. Yeah, that's that's going to be that's going to take a while. I'm not sure I can actually even finish that. Well, I could finish it or I could finish the podcast. I got to decide which one I want to finish. <laughs> yeah, man, this is going to be one of those ones we sleep at the end. Is oh it? no, I that that one's gonna. I might have to put that off on the cooler on the side and get something a little lighter in the. Um, because there is no way that'll kill me. So there you go, folks. That is what I'm drinking. This thing's been sitting out there for a while. I actually almost pulled this sucker out when we were doing Zardoz, but I didn't. I Because to be honest with you, I forgot it was sitting in my cabinet. I went in there to, I was looking for, um, I think I went in there uh, after Christmas to get something. 
Um, I was looking for uh, batteries, and I'm like, holy shit, I forgot about this bottle of beer that's been sitting in there for, you know, like almost three years. So, so there you go. All right. Um, let's see. We've got, uh, so you got what I'm done, and let's see. Uh, and last and certainly not least. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. My darling, all right, Ken, I know you've got a lot of things to tell us. I've got some. I got, don't have tons. Uh, but I did a couple weeks back. I had my Bar of the Month Club gathering at Duke's, the new honky-tonk on the south side, south of downtown, down by the river. And Duke's is really, it's a fun place. I uh, always have a good mix of old-school country and they got really interesting food, limited menu. But if you're in the Indianapolis area, I can recommend Dukes. I've uh, got to a, go there. Got it, to go I, there. I tried to get you to go. If you yeah, want to we'll, go sometime, we'll, let me know and I'll join you. I, I like will. It. Uh, yeah, it's your kind of it's your kind of place, Brian. For work, a group of us went and had a dinner at Harry and Izzy's. You know, had the uh, vice president of the company and some other folks and some of our salespeople. Uh, Harry and Izzy's is a very good uh, restaurant and bar. Uh, I had the full you know, filet and everything else. Always tasty. A couple days later, a group of us gathered to sit outside and watch the sun go down over Eagle Creek Reservoir at Rick's Boatyard. Uh, Rick's is a really nice place. We had a, a nice little crowd. And that was back just a few days ago when it was still 80-ish. <laughs> Had to find a shady spot so we didn't burn up. So last Friday, went to the Brass Ring, which is not a strip club. <laughs> Met some friends there. And then we walked down to the Inferno Room, which is the... Absolutely not a strip club. I mean, that no, the, would the never Inferno, be that. The Inferno Room is not a strip club. The Inferno Room is a old-school tiki bar that they spent much money and effort to bring back the old... 50s, 60s, tiki feel um, with palm tree, palm fronds and bamboo and, you know, grass skirts and, you know, all that stuff. Car, you know, Polynesian masks. I had the uh, Spam sliders, which were very tasty. Uh, but the other folks all had their own food and uh, the food was all good. So I can't put any plug for the Inferno Room. And then as the Inferno Room was winding down, we went back to the to Brass Ring. And then I got a text from some other friends to join them at Duke's. So I went back to Duke's again. Uh, last weekend, I had my house party, Ken Ben 18. Had about 50 people over here. And a fun time. I mean, I tried to put on a good mix of food and drink. And then... Just crammed my house with all kinds of people. Met some new folks, and a lot of the regulars were there. Always entertaining. A uh, couple nights ago, I, I went to a friend's house to assist the State Department. Uh, they had the State Department had some uh, Europeans uh, that they were touring America, doing an exchange and familiarization program, and they wanted to have a dinner with Americans, and so I was volunteered to go down. And uh, We had a uh, journalist from Portugal who was, I mean, we had a long, she had a long talk with me. She was an economics journalist, and so she was talking to me and other people about, you know, 
Fed policy and you know tax policy and what's Trump doing and you know what's going on in America and I was happy to talk about that with her and we had a, a guy who was a journalist from of all places Poland oh yeah a very nice guy I didn't talk to him that much because we were at a big long table and he was at the other end and uh, we had the Minister of Foreign Affairs for the Nation of Andorra and so I was actually had a very interesting talk with him. So that's in, roughly in Spain, am I wrong? It's right between Spain and in the Spain. Pyrenees. Yeah, it's, the a, Pyrenees. it's a little country, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, they're facing interesting, interesting things. Uh, a, a little bit of of uh, Andorran trivia. I mean, they they run their country now on on uh, tourism. They have it's a population of seventy thousand, and they get ten million tourists every year. I mean, it's just a big tourist haven. Really. Ski, skiing, winter sports, stuff like that. It's also a international banking center, uh, but uh, they don't have an army. They haven't had an army. They haven't fought a war for like centuries. Like twelve hundred is the last. I mean, but uh, in uh, 1914 they declared war on Germany in, in you know, World War One in solidarity with the French government and. Uh, when it came time for the Versailles Treaty, they just never bothered to go, and nobody thought to invite them. So they never got around to signing a peace treaty with Germany until 1958. I just thought that was interesting. So technically, on paper, they're at war with Germany for like 40 years. <laughs> Would they refuse to open bank accounts for them? Is that it? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, it's very interesting. Uh, and then... Today, it wasn't drinking, but, uh, you know, it was a kind of a cool day here. Winter's finally arrived here in Indiana. So uh, one of my coworkers and I, we decided we'd go out and walk for lunch. You know, it was a brisk, sunny day. And as I was you know, walking, trying to figure out where we're going to go, I said, what would be good here is some chili. So a couple blocks down the street, we got a old dive bar called the Dugout. So... Walked down to the dugout and had some chili and fries and split them, and it was just all good. So that's it for me. Nice. Very well done. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with uh, Brother What You Drinking and Catching Up with Ken. And um, like I said, unfortunately, I don't have clips. Actually, you know what? I do have I do have two clips. Um, excuse me. I, I basically were was going to pull some clips um, for the intro. So I was like, yeah, which one am I, which one am I going to use? So if you want, I'm going to, I will play you these two clips just to give you an idea. So here's the first one. Cars waiting outside. You will walk between us saying nothing. What are you talking about? Let's go. Let's go where? Who, who are you? Near Aaron boys carrying concealed weapons. His is pointed at your heart. So please, no errors of judgment, I think. So there you go. That's pretty much like right in the beginning of the movie. I mean, this movie doesn't um, go too far before things start happening. Right. They they don't spend too much time introducing, building characters. Yeah. And building. No, it's just like get right in there. Right. Okay. And um, so here's the second one. This is the other one I was going to use. It's getting late. I have guests. Do you intend to cooperate with us? I'd like a simple yes or no. A simple no. 
For the simple reason I simply don't know what you're talking about. Give Mr. Kaplan a drink, Leonard. A pleasant journey, sir. Which is kind of funny because that drink turned out to be an entire <laughs> bottle of whiskey. <laughs> they basically hold him down. And the look on his face was, was funny because I remember watching this a couple of years ago with Deb. And, and they, they, you know, they're holding him down and they're pouring like this big freaking glass. It's like, it's like a beer pint glass. And they're just filling it full of whiskey and his, and he's got this look of horror on his face. And Deb's looking at me going, Oh yeah. You'd be like, is that all you got? Just give me, <laughs> just give me the freaking bottle. <laughs> but, um, it, it's, I mean, like I said, that, that whole scene there, you know, when they're just, porn and i wish i i didn't realize the clips are going to work so i apologize folks um actually what i might do is i i will get some of my favorite clips and i'll throw them on the back end how's that that i can do that post edit so um uh after the um after you hear the closing music stay tuned uh we haven't done blooper reels in a while either i'm kind of remiss on that as well although we've been doing such a good job um especially when jeff's not here Without me having to, you know, redo things, we haven't had blooper kip. So, uh, so yeah, stay stay tuned before the end of the show. After the music's over, um, I will plug in some of our uh, some of the good clips from this show. So there you go. All right, um, so that's it with um, brother. What you drinking and the clips? Let's move on to the uh, the top ten of nineteen fifty nine. Oh, okay. I can do that. Okay. Uh, bear with me one second. Sure. I'll pull it up. Obviously, 1959 was a long time ago. Uh, but there are some movies in here which are memorable to me, I think, to you. And then there's some that's like, I don't really even remember that. But uh, starting out at number 10, we have Anatomy of a Murder. Stars James Stewart, Lee Remick, Ben Gazzara. George C. Scott, that, the courtroom drama. Yeah, that takes based on a true story. It takes place in the Upper Peninsula of uh, Michigan. Okay. By the way, I, I, little trivia piece: the uh, founder and owner Howard, what's his name, of Starbucks, went to the only college that exists in that actual town. That's uh, where he graduated college from. I've always wanted to go to the Upper Peninsula. I hear it's a nice place for hiking and that kind of thing. It's more bears uh, and people. Well. That's fine. I'll take a gun. <laughs> North by Northwest was number nine. So this movie that we just talked about uh, came in solid. At number eight, we have a Audrey Hepburn, Peter Finch movie known as The Nun's Story, which I, I remember seeing this when I was a kid. I can't tell you much about it, but obviously well thought of movie. At number seven, we have Suddenly Last Summer. It's a uh, based on a Tennessee Williams play. Sam Spiegel is in it. At number six, we have Imitation of Life. Is that about is that about an artist? Uh, it, no, it's a it's, it's a according to the Wikipedia blurb deals with issues of race, class, and gender. Oh. Well, uh, stars Lana Turner and John Gavin, Sandra D, Dan O'Hurley, O'Hurley, and uh, others. John Gavin, who later became, I believe, ambassador to Mexico and Ronald Reagan. Uh, you're believe. right. He, 
You are right, he did. <laughs> he just um, died about a month or so ago. At number five, we've got a movie featuring someone we've mentioned here tonight. Uh, someone who was kind of competing for the space that Cary Grant operated in. Uh, that would be Rock Hudson. It was and, a giant, was it? No, this was Pillow Talk. It's one of those movies he made. Doris Day. Doris Day. Yeah. Uh, Rock Hudson and Doris Day just had a thing where about every other year for a number of years, they come out with these romantic comedies. And they always were very successful. I mean, I'm, when I was a kid, I mean, I saw them. They were all on TV and all. Another movie I saw when I was a kid, because I was a kid, you know, that's what kids do, is watch movies like this. It was called The Shaggy Dog. With, was, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, with my Three Sons in it? Fred McMurray. Yes. yes. Tommy Kirk, Gene Hagen, Kevin Corcoran. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a wacky Disney kids movie. Followed soon thereafter by Son of Flubber. Or Flubber, then Son of Flubber. Flubber and Son of Flubber, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. McMurray did a, I mean, he had a good shtick going with Disney there for a while. I mean, he, well, he played like, he played heavy roles when he was. Well, playing. Postman Always Rings Twice, yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Fred McMurray was a good actor and again did a lot of stuff on uh, My Three Sons on TV. At number three, a movie which. I'll put it to you guys if this is a man cave movie. It would be a different kind of man cave movie, but I like it. It's a classic. Some like it hot. Oh, God. I'm trying Lemon to and Curtis, right? Is Marilyn Jack Monroe, Lemon and jo Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemon. Mm -hmm. And George Raft. You know, Curtis was a sex symbol back in those days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is about the same time that he was making the Vikings, which we reviewed. Yeah, right. Now, is yeah. that the movie where they uh, both he and Lemon have to dress up like two women? I believe. Yeah, right? they dress and drag yeah. to escape because they they witnessed a mobland murder and they wind up bunking down with Marilyn Monroe and going to Florida to play in an all girls band. I, I, quick diversion. You know what I think would be a great main cave movie almost any Mathal lemon movie you could just throw a dart i, I just think this Mathal is just i love that guy they personally. yeah they they i don't argue with you how about we do grumpy old men it could be like a <laughs> it's a great flick it's very appropriate <laughs> it is uh, for us i think that's called daily life yeah <laughs> i could play the burgess meredith part there you go <laughs> Well, so long as you get someone to play the uh, Sophia Loren role for me, I'm in. That's I'll not take so her or Anne, either one. That's not uh, Sophia Loren. That was uh, Anne Margaret and Grant Hillman. No, they're both in it. Sophia I Loren think, is in sure it? Pretty sure both. Yeah, I, th I think so. I know that they separately they were each in a movie, but I'm pretty certain that they were both in the first. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I thought they were in it. Yeah. I know Anne Margaret and Sophia Loren crossed those movies in some form or fashion. Both. Grumpy Old Man and Grumpy Old Man too. But I think they're both in the first. I could be wrong. Well, at number two, we have a movie that features not only Cary Grant, star of our featured movie, but also the gentleman just referred to, Tony Curtis. And that would be Operation Petticoat. Is that the submarine? Yes. 
Which was redone. Wasn't it, wasn't it redone by uh, Frazier? It was like a not, TV you know. series. Okay. But no, it was a... Uh, the idea here is it's set in early World War II. There's a submarine. Submarine, they have to transport a bunch of nurses out of Philippines. And wacky hijinks ensue. Probably not a man cave movie. It's a it's a it's a comedy. It's a military comedy, romantic comedy. It's a it's a niche, uh, I, but I liked it. I mean, it's a perfectly fine movie. I would recommend if you haven't seen Operation Petticoat, when you like that kind of stuff, watch it. At number one is a movie which we've said repeatedly that we would do. Oh, as a review, and we keep dropping the ball because it is kind of big, and that would be a, a little movie known as Ben. Her. Oh, we really should do that, actually. All right, let's do it. And well, I mean, I don't have to do it now, but that—that's that is a it's a guy. It's got Jack Hawkins in it. How could that? Yeah. You know, freaking Jack Hawkins. I, I always thought you know is a, is a Roman. You know, it's a great. I love that guy. Uh, Obviously, is, Charlton Heston is in it. But. If, if just for the slave galley scenes and the <laughs> chariot race scenes, I mean, what's more manly? Well, I mean, Stephen Boyd is great in that movie. You know, you know, he died like at fifty of a heart attack or something. I mean, or maybe even younger than that. But uh, that's a that's a hell that's a guy flick. All right, so there you go. Was that that was number one? That you know, a lot of the good man cave movies were made back in the uh, the black and white years. So we do need to um, we do need to give them an homage. All right, so there you go. That is it. Uh, that's it with the. Um, Top 10 of 1959. God, I can't believe that's 59. Because when you watch the movie, it doesn't feel like 59. It feels more like early, mid-60s. Yeah, it does. Feels like Mad... Well, he was an ad guy. I I kept thinking... Even though I didn't really watch the series, I kept thinking of the TV series Mad Men. Yeah. Which is kind of what he was. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, kind of jumping back a little bit, did you notice this, like... How much money did he have? He's like, you know, he's tipping waiters and the valets, and he's, it's like, how much freaking cash are you carrying well, on you? Well, the story, I mean, <laughs> it was obvious, which is, yeah, he's got this job as an ad executive, but basically, he's on an allowance by his mom. His mom is fronting him all of his money. Is it? Or is it because, I, I that's, mean, he's that's the... What, that's what I read into it was... No, I was reading it because, shit, he was paying her to go get the key. Remember? There was a yeah. scene, he's like, yeah, I didn't get that impression. I got the impression is like, it's like he was the one making the money. Because, remember, he was like, uh, go get the key to Kaplan's room. You know, will you do it for 10? She goes, not for all the money in the world. And he goes, 15? And all of a sudden, she's like, she grabs the money. <laughs> That's right. She right. grabs the money and runs off. It's like, so I think she was the she was the money bags, or, or he was. So, but anyway, just kind of. I think there, there, there's something there. He'd been married multiple times, if I'm not mistaken. Or well, there was some mention of that. There's a little line in there about that. Having yeah, wives. Yeah, he did. In fact, that was uh, actually. Uh, just want to throw that out there. Um, I put out the movie quote right, literally about five minutes before I started the podcast because. You know, I've been kind of, I mean, and again, my apologies uh, to our loyal listeners. I have been somewhat kind of slacking on getting these shows up and running. Life has just been kind of kicking me in the asses of late. But I had posted on the Facebook page what uh, th- that we were going to be doing a show tonight, and I put a quote out there, 
And I just, I, I literally grabbed the one quote that really kind of stood out to me. And, um, I laugh because, um, and for whatever reason, my page doesn't want to load. There we go. And, uh, Mr. Kendall just bam, right out of the blue, just comes out and says, Oh, one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. And, um, uh, and just, and just pulled it out. And I mean, I think I, and that was like an hour ago. So yeah, he said, yeah, uh, yeah, Eric Kendall, Alfred Hitchcock, North by Northwest, one of my all time favorite films. And that was, and the quote is basically the scene where he says, now you listen to me. I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders that depend on me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. And yeah, right off the bat, I mean, I posted that thing and I think Kendall got in there like five minutes later and, and already had. So anyway, that's pretty good. It is. That's that, that does not come immediately to mind. No a long shot. Well, you know what? This guy's been listening to us for a while and he is, I mean, he, he, he's like a ninja. All of a sudden it's like, bam, he just gets <laughs> some of the most yeah. amazing quotes. I'm like, how the hell does this guy know this stuff? But anyway, so moving on. All right, so we're done with those. Uh, let's move on. Oh, shit, we got to move on to the checklist. I got to get my checklist clips up. So now that they work, now that I know that they work. Hold on a second. Corbin, what are you doing? Stop it. Sorry, my dog is hanging out with me because mom's asleep. The daughter's working. So he's down here and he's lonely and he's attacking my feet right now. So, all right, moving on. Let's see. Number one on the checklist. Did anyone go through a window? I don't think so. No. You would think they would, but I don't remember any. And there was a car crash where a window broke maybe in a car, but that's about it. I don't think so. No. no I would windows. say no. Nope. Okay. All right. Let's see. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there an irrelevant female role in this movie? Absolutely not. Nope. All, all the women in this movie, even his secretary, that brief scene that she was in, she was great. Yeah. All the women were just great in this flip. Yep. All right. Let's see. Uh, number three. Son of a bitch must pay. All right. Was there a son of a bitch in this movie and did he pay? Well, James Mason got caught. Martin Landau died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty much the bad guys got yeah. it in the end. Yep. Son of- but the, the Mason thing, was that, I mean, maybe I missed it, but. I didn't even see where anything happened. It was just like he shows up and he's kind of in custody, you know? I, I don't yeah. I don't remember any great fight or anything like that. Well, no, they just took him in custody and he went to Guantanamo and he spilled his guts. That's why we this is why the Soviet Union fell. Because they got they didn't get the microchips out or whatever. That's it. I'm telling you, that's what it was. All right. Okay. Next. Here I go again on my Oh, I'm sorry. Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? No, and I like Tony Katane, but yeah, she was pretty. She was pretty hot in this movie. Yeah, you, you're you're not going to get past even Marie Saint. So yeah. All right, I agree. All right, next. Was there a montage in this movie? No. 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 
I don't. This is this is like literally pre-montage years. So, well, it, this like I said, as we've said before, this was like a Bond movie in terms of pacing and mm-hmm. scenes and locations. And you know, montages don't fit in that. Right. All right. Uh, last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B five reference in this movie? No, I mean I think the only potential. Well, I, I didn't see it, but I think the only potential actor that could even have overflowed into this era would have been her and Martin Landau. Everybody else has been dead. Yeah, as actors go. Yeah. No, you're right. I I didn't I didn't do a deep dive like I have on on most of mine, um, especially when Muncie's not here because you know that's his job. Did you hear that, Jeff? That's your job. No, so I didn't see any i literally was looking for anybody that was still alive like in the 90s and that weren't 90 that probably could have been in the role but i didn't see anything so so no there was no b5 reference in that movie all right well there you go we will move on to um let's see whatever you know what i sorry you guys didn't have my i didn't have my script up and i'm remiss for not being quite prepared tonight it's going fine. All right. Well, there you go. That is it with um, with the clips. So let us move on to our review of this great and fantastic film. You know what, Steve? It's your, it's your movie. I know. I was just going to say I picked it. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this one off. I'm gonna start it off. This is I'm I you know full disclosure. I'm a Hitchcock fan. I like all the Hitchcock movies. Uh, I used to watch. When I was a kid, they were syndicated. I, don't, I can't even remember what the hell channel was, but there was it was called Alfred Hitch, Hitchcock Presents, and it was kind of like a I don't want to call it like a Twilight Zone, but it was just basically these you know half hour, twenty five minute um, episodes. They were just like mysteries that he you know, they were tying up like in half hour, twenty minutes. Great stuff. So I mean, I've always liked Alfred Hitch, Hitchcock, and you know, and I was thinking one day about, uh, kind of recently, I'm like, I haven't seen North by Northwest in a while. So I watched it and I thought, man, this would be a perfect man cave movie because, you know, it kind of fits into just like what Ken was talking about. It, it's very Bondian. I mean, it's almost like a Bond movie. It's got, you've got spies, you got Cary Grant. I mean, he's just this, you know, suave, debonair, studly guy. You've got the gorgeous woman. You've got the, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, James Mason is, I mean, literally playing Dr. Evil without going over the top in a sense. So, I mean, you've got all of that element there. So I'm like, this is a great movie. And I still think, and obviously I'm not alone in, in, in saying it because obviously it's, it's considered one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, it's, it's a, it is definitely a movie you have to watch and you won't be disappointed. It is, the acting is great. The writing is great. Uh, you've just got a, a stellar cast. And again, you know, there is something for me about the movies that were made back in this era. There is something about them. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just nostalgia from seeing them as a kid and just the way the film looks or what, you know, but there's a certain class and style to them that honestly seems lost today. Um, and I, and I know that probably sounds like the whole, 
you know, generational things. Like, you know, when you get older, ah, it's never, you know, these kids today and nothing's ever going to be the same. But there is, there is a certain look and feel to these movies that is just, um, it's just iconic. It just, it, and you can't recreate it. I, I don't care how much you want to try to, but you can't recreate it and it looks great. Uh, so I highly recommend this. I, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, bam, 10. It's a 10. Without a doubt, Ooh. hands down, it's a 10. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I mean, there's nothing bad to bold, say about it. Bold statement. Yeah. I, there's, there is nothing bad about it. There's no boring parts of it. There's nothing that you're just like, okay, there's no, there's no part of this movie where you, where I would say you can take a few minutes to go make a ham sandwich and you're not going to miss anything. You have to watch every bit of this movie. And you know, and, and here's the thing. We talked about this, um, with my, with my mom and, and my wife about last week. Not to go off on a little bit of a sidebar here, but one thing about the movies that were made during this era in this time, a lot of the reason that these movies I think were so good because there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of talking. There's just a lot of back and forth. And, and it's not relying on special effects. It's not relying on, scenery or whatever because you know when you hell most of the stuff it's shot on a freaking sound sound stage so it's just very very good writing very good acting and how they present it and i like i said i just i love movies from this era but i i've talked enough so i'm gonna kick it over to let's see who wants to take it ken brian which one do you want mm. go ahead brian mm. Ugh. Cut, Sorry, cut. <laughs> with a mouthful, guys. Well, you know, Steve, you talked about uh, th- th- there is a sophistication to this movie that you don't see today, and, and it's not—it's not the old man thing because this was before our time. I mean, this is not a movie that we grew up watching. You know, it's, you right? Know, I, I just think there's an elegance to certain movies, and then you don't really see that movie today. They don't really kind of make that movie. You know, first off. It's very debatable how many people would want to see it. I mean, I hate to say it. I'm not sure that's the market today uh, in, in terms of what people want to see at the movie. Usually it's it's action movies or they're, or they're grievance movies where I'm part of something and I'm bitching about it and they're going to make a movie about me and I could be unhappy about this or, you know, whatever <laughs> crap like that. Um, but, you know, this is a movie where it's very sophisticated and part of it is, and you, you referred to it, you have a lot of dialogue in those movies. You don't make a sophisticated movie where nobody talks. I mean, you know, and the way the dialogue takes place and how well the actors pull it off. Uh, and you have two actors just the minute they walk onto a stage, you immediately kind of think sophistication. That's Grant and, 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 uh, and Mason. And then clearly, you know, even Reese Saint, you know, fit right in. So I, I, to me, outside of the plot, cause there are some, I could pick apart some of the plot issues here. I really could. Um, but, but the elegance of the movie and the elegance of the actors, to me, stands on its own. So, and they don't make movies like that now. So I'm going to give it a nine and a half. That's All where right. I'm at. Nice. And Brian, not to jump in front of Ken, but you you actually did use the one word that I, I couldn't find, and it is an elegant movie. That's you know that 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 pretty much sums it up. And I think that's how a lot of 
those movies, especially the Hitchcock movies. There was something about the way that guy directed them. They were done in a very elegant manner. So a lot of forties and fifties movies were elegant, particularly the fifties to me seemed like the most movies that kind of came out that, that I would qualify as that. Right. Okay. Very well done. All right, Ken, you're up. You know, you guys have said most of it. Uh, this movie was highly regarded in its day. It does introduce a lot of concepts that were used in a lot of later movies, especially like we said, the bond movies, well written, Excellent dialogue. It's an adult movie. I mean, it's not really a kid's movie. It's an adult movie. A, a little bit of trivia I found out was, you know, obviously, Cary Grant looks really good. He's in the same suit the whole movie because, I mean, he gets abducted. He's in that suit. He's always looking really sharp. That exact – they have duplicated that suit for other movies. Uh, one that – there's a uh, – Tom Cruise movie, I think Collateral is the name. Collateral, yes. He's wearing the same suit. Yeah. Next time you see Collateral, he's wearing this suit. They duplicate it because they just love the look of that suit. Uh, I just thought that was interesting trivia. But, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I'm glad that uh, you recommended it, that we look it over. It is a great movie. The... The, the, the thing is, I'm, I'm going to rate it slightly lower than you guys. I'm going to give it a nine. A nine is a very solid. I mean, that means I really, really, really like it. Yeah. But a thing I don't like, which we sort of touched on, is that they don't they, – they have him in their grasp. They want him dead. And so they have to set up elaborate, dramatic scenes like chasing him down in the middle of nowhere with a crop duster when they could just stick a shiv in him and throw him in the river. I mean, uh, I'm old enough that that takes me out of it. That took me out of it slightly. The fact, yeah, it's really dramatic, really cool looking, but it's kind of stupid. Uh, having said that, I've watched every Bond movie ever made and liked them. <laughs> so, again, don't get the idea that a nine is horrible. It's just that I think they could have gotten it. If they would have been a little more direct but just had some other setup, it would have made more impact. Right. Not trying to tell Hitchcock how to make a movie, obviously, because you know, I'm just a moron. <laughs> well, honestly, kid, if I, if I, I kind of want to hear you first because I, I, I was kind of thinking nine, nine and a half. So, I mean, again, there was some minor plot things that I kind of had some issue with and so forth, but, but, uh, but yeah, I'm good with the nine and a half. Well, I but, love, uh, again, I, I just got no love, issue with the nine. I love the interaction. I love the characters. I love how they, they relate. Uh, and again, the bad guys are really bad, but suave. Everybody's so suave and sophisticated. And that's, that's something we are lacking to a large degree these days. Well, and I think probably because, you know, at this point in time, and, and maybe it was, uh, you know, like in the Bond movies or what they were trying to do in this is that even though we're spies and we're secret agents and stuff like that, we are still going to abide by the uh, uh, Marquis of Queensberry rules. And we're yes. not, we're not just going to, I'm not just going to, you know, shivy in the back and throw you in a river. It's, you know, it will be. You know, I'm just going to pour a bottle of bourbon on you and drop you off a freaking cliff. Yeah, well, it's 
I mean, the, the classic comeback yeah. to that sort of phenomenon, mainly in the Bond movies, but all these kind of movies, was in uh, you know the, in Austin Powers. Yeah. When, you know, again, Dr. Evil's son is just going, like, I got a gun upstairs. I'll just bring it down and shoot him. No, you don't understand. You just don't get it. He was put into the tank with these sharks. (laughs) You just don't get it, do you, Scott? (laughs) No, you're, you're absolutely right. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with, um, with the Man Cave movie review of this great and fantastic film. And that was episode 234. I think I got it right. So 234, that is it. Uh, we will be back for another show. We're going to do a Halloween show or, you know, something scary, suspenseful or thriller uh, to commemorate the, uh, you know, the month of Halloween <clears throat> that we used to do back in the old days when we used to do one a week. But, um, you know, we're old, we're busy. I have to recuperate for like days after doing these shows. So can't keep up the way I used to, but. We'll come up with another one. Uh, so until next time, I am your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good dear friend, Ken Rushmore Roney. I'm a podcaster, not a red herring. <laughs> nice. Very well done. And also saying goodbye, farewell, and auf Zane is our other good and dear friend, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. Obviously, Brian is taking a pose, so he'll... Oh, I... I uh... <laughs> Steve, you had your voice, your mute on. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I said, obviously, at this, this is such hard work that I think I'm just going to, I could use a drink. You know, I'm, I'm thinking a pint of bourbon would, would do, but <laughs> if you have any plans of coming over, I'll go out and get a quart. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How much did you have to drink? This much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, there you go, folks. That is it with Man Cave Movie Review, episode 234. Four. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We are going to be back with another great and fantastic review. Until next time, ciao. Lieutenant, I want this man examined for driving while intoxicated. Really? Yeah. Uh, you see, they try to kill me. Now, he, he won't listen to me. They're in a big house, they try to kill me. All right, let's just go inside. I don't want to go inside. Somebody call the police. Come on. Come on. <clears throat> oh, mother. Mother, this is your son, Roger Thornhill. Yeah. Wait a minute, I'll find out. Where am I? Glen Cove Police Station. Glen Cove Police Station. No, no, Mother, I have not been drinking. No. No, these two men, they poured a whole bottle of bourbon into me. No, they didn't give me a chaser. No. Come on, let's go. Well, I'm not finished yet. Yes, you are. Come on.
Mother, I, 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 I gotta go now. Will you get my lawyer right away and come out and bail me out? Tomorrow morning, tell her. Tomorrow morning, he says. Oh, I don't know, I'll ask her. She wants to know who says. Sergeant Emil Klinger. Sergeant Emil... Emil? Sergeant Emil Klinger. No, I didn't believe it either. Uh, I'm all right, Mother. Good night. Good night, yeah.